0: Hi, this is Sammy. We wanted to let you know that midway through this episode, we decided to split episode 29 into two separate episodes because we were going quite a bit over time and we didn't want you guys to have a super long episode. So this is episode 29B and this is focusing on the subject of Asian representation within Keeper of the Lost Cities, specifically relating to Tam and Lin in the section of Never Seen that we just read. And episode 29C, which will cover chapters 55 through 65 of Never Seen, will be released next week. We also released a listener correspondence episode along with this episode, and that is under the title episode 29A. Hello and welcome to KeeperCast, the Keeper of the Lost Cities podcast. I'm Sammy. I'm Star. And I'm Ivy. And this is episode 29, brought to you by Counselor Nolan Screeching. (laughs) <laughs> which is honestly like a mood. So Nolan is a sound guy. He is a sound guy. Yeah. No, he's a vociferator, which means that <gasps> right, he can scream really loud, best. and that's his one talent. It's the one thing that made him a powerful, a powerful enough elf to be named to the council, because he can scream. I mean, like
1: screaming's really powerful.
0: Like I wonder if he can like do the thing that like banshee can do and so. I'm sorry, I don't know what that means. Okay, you know when X-Men? Oh oh this is an X-Men thing. <laughs> sorry, yeah, I don't I don't know anything about X Men. Okay, X-Men. anyway, well Banshee has a sonic scream and so he can like with he has like a flight suit so he can go and like scream against like the ocean or like the ground or whatever
1: and then it basically propels him so he can fly. Like, I'm trying to figure out what else a vociferator could do that would be useful. So if it's strictly volume, my best guess is you could... Sh- like, if it's strictly volume, my best guess for how do you compile if you become a for becoming counselor is either you straight up kill someone or just the ability to mute button a crowd. Nolan has Zoom teacher powers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the host On does mute all
1: participants. do that... Why wouldn't he have done it here? But also, like, the council seems, like, competent enough that instead of actually just mute-buttoning the crowd, they just scream, so, like... Also, I mean, you could get into, like, well, if we mute-button the crowd, they'll be angry, and that'll make things worse, but the point is, screaming's better. But
0: won't they also be angry if you scream at yeah, them? Yeah, but it, I it might, it it might intimidate like...
1: them in the way, you know, mute-buttoning them would not.
0: Well, but I don't think that, I don't think that he can, like, control the volume of other people's voices. I thought you can just, like, scream really loud, like, with your
1: own voice, so... I mean, in our defense, this is... Do we have any idea what a vociferator can do? Yeah, it's like... It's like the only thing
0: we've ever seen Nolan do is scream. So, I have no idea if he can do other things as well. The definition of vociferate from Merriam- I can't believe you're looking this up. To... Do we want the intransitive form? Yeah. To cry out loudly. So I think that's basically just his whole power.
1: Well, that sucks. That's just boring. What can you do with crying out loudly? I feel like you could do Although, a lot of things with yeah, oh, that, though. You know what it might be? Maybe Vosafraider is one of those talents that's commonly found with others.
0: Oh, like a conjurer and stuff?
1: And that would explain how scream really loudly is enough of, like a critical and important and, you know, powerful and valued talent to get you on the council. <laughs> if if screaming were how you gain political power, I would be president. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Same. On a more serious note, however, than screaming, um, I did want to start off by talking a little bit about Tam and Lin and um, some of the Asian representation in Kodok, just because there's been a lot of recent discussion on Tumblr and Instagram about racism within the Kodok canon, specifically relating to the Song Twins and Asian representation in general. We felt like it was important to um, to have a discussion about this on the podcast, and we also received a message that we answered in the listener correspondence It's coming out on the same day as this episode. So we received a message that... Um, requested that we talk about this in an episode. So, this is it. Obviously, there's more general issues about race in Kodok than, like, just Asian representation and just the Song Twins, but because, um, the songs are what's being talked about lately, we're going to be discussing Asian representation specifically, and we're also reading Never Seen, so, and we're also reading Never Seen right now, so where we are, like, in the canon, um, it's, relevant. I am going to start with a disclaimer that I am Korean, but I'm not an expert and I don't speak for all Asian people, obviously on this topic. I'm only speaking from my own experience
1: here. In the same vein, I am Chinese American. I can only speak from what I know. And so once again, Asian Americans and Asians in general are not a monolith. That's kind of, th- this is at once the issue with the songs and the point, but we're not a monolith, and no one can speak for all Asians everywhere, so this is uh, Star and Sammy and our specific, Star and Sammy and Ivy, and our specific opinions on this specific thing. Hello. <laughs> I'm so
0: sorry. Oh, and also, I'm Sammy's sibling, so yeah, yes, I am also Korean, but like, She knows more about things than me, so. Well, I don't know about in general. (laughs) (laughs) I know more about ancient Rome than you. That's true. You do. I don't know anything about ancient Rome. It was ancient. And it was Rome.
1: (laughs) All roads lead there. (laughs) Okay, so. Not to return to like, but yeah, no. My biggest issue, personally, with the Song Twins is that... Once again, Asian is a very massive catch-all term and in terms of representation, when you say Asian, you mean a thousand different experiences and not really pinning the songs to one just makes them a mishmash of everything which doesn't provide... uh, It's harder to... Like, I think the goals of good representation are to allow people to connect with, with people whose experiences they do not necessarily share and to allow people to see themselves in characters. And when you turn a thousand different lived experiences and you mishmash them all together into one, you lose on both of those because if you want to see yourself in the song twins you have to make that up and the song twins don't also don't represent an a really an alternative experience and an alternative culture because it's just a jumble of everything there's no definition to them right
0: yeah i feel exactly the same way about that and with the song sort of being like you said this mishmash of multiple Asian cultures um I do remember on a blog post Shannon Messenger said that that was intentional that like she wanted their names to all come from multiple cultures so like so there's that but the problem with that though is that like it just works in the opposite way where by trying to mishmash all these different countries and different cultures languages etc you just end up with not actually representing anything because none of it is real and tangible enough to actually to like you said for someone to see themselves in it i think
1: you might have this written down but also asia is more than you know east asia and the, the specifically the mismatch of Asian cultures is all like East Asian cultures, and I think there are a, there are a few elements from uh Southeast Asia. I believe I I may be wrong on this. Uh, I do not quite recall, but I believe Lin is sometimes a Vietnamese name or the way it's spelled. I think it is Vietnamese. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some things that are not specifically east asian but for the most part it ignores that once again asia is massive there's a whole south asian southeast asian culture that's just considered not asian i guess or or like it is being excluded from being asian because Lin and tam are asian so i guess i guess the best way to be to say that Lin and tam are east asian but once again because they're a mismatch of everything they're not really anything at all
0: Yeah, exactly. And I guess, like, I think, relating to that, um, yeah, I I just felt like, at least initially, like, the whole thing was kind of just born off of a lack of research, and a lack of, maybe, you know, like, serious effort to try and represent, like, some culture, or, like, you know, like, Asian people, (laughs) I don't know what I'm saying. Um, but basically, like, I felt like Tam and Lin were just kind of an amalgamation of, yeah, not just, like, a bunch of different Asian cultures, but all the most, like, mainstream things in all those different cultures, and, like, yeah, um, like, it said, like, they looked like K-pop idols or, like, anime, and it's, like, it's, like, okay, that's not, it's, it just seems like, yeah, like, K-pop and anime and stuff like that, that's, like, all that a lot of people, especially who live in, like, America, know of these, like, Asian cultures, and I felt like she didn't really, or I felt like... It didn't expand past that. Past the... the, Yeah, yeah, it didn't go past that. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, they weren't... It wasn't an amalgamation of different cultures. It was an amalgamation of different things that people in America think of Asian cultures.
1: And I mean, like... Not to, not to bring my own reading list into this, but like, okay, I understand on some level that trying to figure out, okay, given that elves came before humans and all of human culture is like uh misinterpreted elven culture, okay, we can look at like this and this and this, and that comes from like elves doing all these other things, how, like, how would that translate to different human cultures? I can understand that trying to think through that is a lot and maybe not necessarily what you, I don't know, like, 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 I can see why that might be a lot, but I feel like it would have been nice if there was some consideration of that in, in some way. Um, and uh, where my own reading list comes into it is there is a whole genre called, um, Silk Punk, I believe it. I don't know much about it, but I do know I have had The Grace of Kings by Ken Liu on my reading list for literal ages. And it's just that idea of trying to build a, build a fantasy from a different culture, I think once again i'm very new to it but um i understand that trying to figure out how you build different cultures into your your standard european white fantasy is not always easy but i feel like one it is worth it and this was maybe this could have been done better essentially
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I actually have some, like, a few books that I thought did this well, but I will save this until the time for it at the end of this discussion. Don't treat Asia as a monolith, pretty much, and that one line about the K-pop idols or the anime just really, really, really bugs me, especially because I see it everywhere whenever somebody has to, like, bring up how the songs are described they always point to that paragraph and it just makes my brain kind of short circuit yeah because it's pretty much just outright saying that that sorry that korea and japan are the same thing yeah and i think that's something that i mean yeah for a lot of like groups that aren't really understood very well by like we were talking about this in history and i don't I'm confused now, but Western culture, Um. (laughs) but, um, but I, and, and I think for, like, Asians in particular, it does, seeing this, like, just sort of reckless combination of different cultures is a little bit sore, because I feel like that's something that we get all the time, like and it's not seen as a problem it's just like people can't tell Asian like different people say like oh like you can't tell different Asian cultures apart and like they're all like the same thing and people don't try to differentiate and that's just
1: really really annoying (laughs) and also like that line is so jarring when it pops up and I don't know what it is like maybe it is just oh it's K-pop and anime, in like, like, what are these references to the modern world doing in a fantasy? But we see other references to the modern world, and they're not as jarring. And I feel like the reason why this one is so much like, what? Is because that's not how you describe people. K-pop idols are putting on a performance, most of the time, I don't know much about the K-pop idol scene, but everything I've seen of them has been when they are specifically in the middle of a performance, like actors on a stage, or like performers, because they are performers. And anime straight up isn't real, they're drawings. And so to look at another person and go, you look like you are performing, like you are not real, as your first description of them feels really like, are we sure? That's actually true.
0: Like, because yeah, especially the description as like, they step straight out of anime. It's like anime is animated. <laughs> right. Like it's not real people. And also the, I mean, just like going into this, like a, from like a writing standpoint, that comparing them to K-pop idols doesn't make sense because at this point, Tam and Lin are living on their own in the woods. And they're like, and they like, we know that Exilium isn't feeding them they're like there's no way that they actually even look that they would look anything close to being a pop star or a movie star or any sort of celebrity
1: at that point see i i shouldn't be laughing but now i'm just imagining like they look like they'd stepped out of k-pop or an anime and there's and then there's just hard cut to tam who's like dressed in like clothes covered with two days worth of dirt and twigs in his hair and Lynn's like got like a branch in her mouth that she's just chewing on because she lives in the woods and it's just like yeah no like "Uh uh-huh just like Lynn's hair hasn't been brushed in like three weeks and it's just like yes it's beautiful not to say
0: that like you can't be attractive if like you're like you know but but yeah true Sort of related. The other point I wanted to make about the song Twins was the fact that they are pretty much just a ton of stereotypes crammed into two people. And I was like trying to write down a list of all the stereotypes that they were, and it just kept going. I was like, boom, 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 boom. So yeah, that's where we are right now. Especially... In the in last week's reading there was a line that I completely forgot existed, which was it was this quote that said, quote, Lynn was a baby bird, Tam was a stalking tiger. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs>
1: oh jeez. Oh jeez. Oh. Not to mention that's not even right. Like I know it's Lynn so Lynn could kill weird. them all. Yeah, she could literally i just like to establish that really like, quickly. Everyone. Lynn could kill them all yeah
0: and it's just like okay so to break that down i guess the first thing quote lin was a baby bird that's just problematic because of the stereotype of like asian women being submissive and fragile and bird-like i
1: guess and it's also really weirdly like infantilizing Mhm and I don't know how to deal with like that and the this idea that this idea that exists I suppose where it's like oh they don't know we need to help them or like you know to bring someone out of their like state of ignorance and like into something like 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 towards the western enlightenment and I don't know why this is giving me flashbacks to Miss Saigon but it
0: is no, it it yeah, it reminds me of Miss Saigon too so much. Like I again, I can't pin down exactly why, but it's also just a musical that's incredibly infantilizing of the protagonist and like that same sort of stereotype
1: of like being submissive and pure. I think you're right. I, I, there's something I want to say about this, but it can wait till, till we get through all the stereotypes, because like you said, there's a lot to unpack there.
0: And just sort of on a more general note, I personally feel really uncomfortable with the songs being compared to animals, because I don't think any other characters- I don't think they do that to any other characters.
1: I can't- if someone remembers, let us know, but I don't remember it. It just- it has the wrong vibes. It just- yeah. Just honestly, every time the songs
0: are described in this book, it does have the wrong vibes. And however, to be fair to Shannon, like I have found that in later books, I feel fewer of those wrong vibes when reading about the songs. Like, I feel like she's kind of figuring out how to describe people who aren't white. So I will give her credit for that. However, that could also be because. As the books go on, I'm just skimming more and more.
1: I could be wrong. But it feels like Lynn and Tam have showed up less and less. In terms of that, yeah, I feel like
0: in the last book they did give like Dex and Bianna more of a role, but they didn't bring in Lynn more, which I thought was weird. Like, I don't even know what she's doing. Me neither. I cannot help you there. Except just, like, hanging out with Morella and, like, being gay. Like, I don't
1: I don't know what else there is. That's the thing, at least with me, about the songs. A lot of this stuff, it's like, yes, there are a bunch of stereotypes crammed into two people. And I honestly don't know how much of that is, I don't know how to write, um, like, I don't know how to write these characters, so I'm just going to make them a bunch of stereotypes, and how much of that is... I don't know how to write these characters. Like, I don't know how much of that is bad representation and how much of it is bad writing. And they're, like, both kind of the same thing, because bad representation is bad writing, and bad writing leads to bad representation, but, like, are they stereotypes because you couldn't think of anything else for them to do? Are they stereotypes because you just didn't put them on screen enough, and so you went, eh, we'll substitute stereotypes for, you know, personality and development. I don't know. I mean, the
0: thing with that is, like, you were mentioning that, yeah, like, the bird-tiger thing, it just does not have the vibe, and it doesn't match their personalities, and I thought that was really interesting, because, I mean, thinking about it, they do have personalities, and a lot of their personalities are things that are very unique and things that I like, but it just seems like when they're described in these, like, very, like, stereotypical ways, it doesn't match, and it's like, she couldn't think, sh- she knows how to do their characters in terms of what they're saying and what they're doing, how they act, but when she tries to actually sit down and describe them, like, she doesn't know how to do it.
1: About stereotypes, um, and about about that story in general, I feel like when you write characters like that, it falls to other people to put the meaning that you didn't in, if that makes sense. So it's like, the songs are not exactly great representation. So then the fandom is like, all right, it. The fandom is like, all right, my projection time now, and we are going to dump our own experiences onto them and make them into good representation for ourselves because you did not. And in the same vein, I feel like the story of Miss Saigon has some fairly harmful implications, but you see performers take it and make it into a story where it feels like, yeah, you still do have, that character still does have meaning and power and agency, but not because the story gives it to her, because the performer does. And, So it it feels like, I I just, I just feel like, I mean, I don't know what I feel like, but the point is, I just noticed that.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And like, I mean, not to digress and go into a tangent on Miss Saigon, but it's like, when you see this musical that does have a lot of, um, that does have a lot of problematic elements regarding Asian representation, yet you see, you also see, it give so much exposure to these Asian performers, people like, you know, like Leia Salonga and um, even Noblezada, and you see them start to use their platforms to actually advocate for better Asian representation and um, in theater and in other ways. So it's never like black and white in terms of like, a, oh, this musical is a bad thing in every way. Um, it's always just, because like
1: good things do come out of it. Nothing is ever going to be perfect. Nothing is ever going to speak to everyone. But I I personally am happy that Tam and Lynn exist. I do not necessarily think that means they are good representation or that they are written well, but I am glad they exist. If only because it means that I get to project on them. <laughs> Honestly, same, like I, I
0: prefer a keeper of velocities with Tamlin in it, as opposed to a keeper of velocities the without them. Like if just given that choice between two, and I agree. I think it is because they're like, if 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 nothing else, it's because they're good fic material. And like, you can say that again. <laughs> and it's like, you know, despite the flaws, despite everything, they still just have a lot of really good elements to their characters that you can expand upon and just really be able to appreciate and i love them so there was a lot of stuff that i really liked actually about um Lynn's character especially in i think loadstar uh, uh, bringing back the the fact that i don't know what any of the books are but i think it's Lodestar, where like they they're trying to like reintegrate back into the lost cities and like and like she was feeling really right and she's struggling mm, to like yeah and I just I really liked that and I wish that they kept playing with that and working with it like rather than kind of putting her off to the side because I thought like that was just something really interesting and I thought it was a point of contact with her and a lot of the other characters because like I know Dex feels that way and I know Sophie feels that way and like it was just a really good opportunity i think if they were to bring that back like that would that could go really really far in developing her character as well as like even some of the other characters and like the societal themes in the book because that is something that they talk about in especially in like the first book but even later on like this idea of fitting in and elves kind of wanting everyone to be like them and you know,
1: just the little squad of people who are different should squad more. I I think you're right. You know, like it's just a bunch of people who are outcasts come together and find a family is like every good story in existence. It's some. I mean, maybe not every good story in existence, but a bunch of them are.
0: Yes, I simp for that. No, found family
1: is the best trope. On the subject of Lin's character arc though, as well, like one of the things that I both love and dislike about it is it it, it very clearly looks like I have this power, I know it is incredible, I know it can do incredible things and be very useful, but also I am not sure I can control it. Or at least controlling it takes a lot out of me and I've lost control before and I don't no, necessarily. Like, I am very aware of the damage I can do with this. And learning to not necessarily accept that, but to see it as something that doesn't necessarily cause damage, if that makes sense. I don't like, if, if, is any of this making sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes
0: sense.
1: Uh huh. And then, uh, like, Going from being the girl that drowned Atlantis to the girl that saved Atlantis feels like it could have been really meaningful, but we didn't get to see a lot of that development. We never got to see her, like, wrestle with what she did to Ravagod. It's true, yeah. I mean, this is more more of a story thing, but I would have
0: loved to see, like, the fallout after uh, Nightfall? Nightfall, that was the Atlantis one was it okay after nightfall because so much stuff happened and it's like okay please show us bianna please show us lynn like mm, it was annoying that they did the time skip yeah i think i mean i do think it is an issue of like the limited pov like we only get sophie's side out of everything so we are never able to see anything where sophie's not like physically there but i do think that like at that point at this point having the pov be limited to sophie is just so constrictive and it means that so much of the other characters' development happens off-screen or off the page and the other characters i don't know about you but the other characters are the ones i actually care about
1: so <laughs> so like I-, I don't know i hate how right you are I hate how uh, like i don 't know if this is just my personal love for side characters or 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 the fact that I just don't care much for the main characters i don 't know what that says about the validity of my opinions on this series, but i just like i've said this before I am here for the song twins i am I am just here for the song twins and i I just think you could have told so many fascinating stories with them and 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 you see glimpses of that, but you never really quite yeah, yeah,
0: I I totally agree with what you're saying about like we get little pieces, but not not ever enough to like satisfy anything. I do, I do actually really like Sophie as a main character. I like her voice, but yeah, it's like there's so much opportunity to bring. It. It's it's not even that staying in her POV is so limited because it's really not. If you think about it, they spent the first half of whatever book that is that I'm not even going to try to remember the name of, they spent the first half just in the healing center. I knew you were going to talk about the healing center. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like you could have just had some other friends come in and have a conversation with Sophie and like have fun. Wait, that's true. Right? Instead, they spent it all with like one or two characters and that's so much time. You could have done so much with that and brought in other characters, but you didn't. I think we've mentioned before how, like, how much the series could benefit by Sophie just having a conversation with certain side characters, yes. Apprentice, <clears throat> but <gasps> I think that is he, this is applies to is so alive? many.
1: <laughs> don't, Wait, what, don't, what Apprentice,
0: you'll get us all started again. <laughs> this is the case with so many characters, like, if she just talked with Lynn about what went down at Atlantis, or if she just talked with Bianca about the scars, like, suddenly that character development and that... Arc for those side characters would no longer be completely off the page to and throw them to the side because like, it would be written actually written about rather than, not. Yeah, and honestly, you don't need that much. You just if you if you have a little bit, it's like, I'd be good, you know.
1: Like if they had a specific villain somewhere they were going, and and and, and it would be perhaps, easier to take time away from that or to turn all these conversations to tie them all together with a theme of like this is what we're fighting but because we haven't established what we're fighting yet it's hard to put these things together and to tie them together in a way that feels natural
0: yeah that's so true like okay Vespera if if I where is she like okay okay (laughs) I feel like if they had kept Vespera as like a main villain, if they'd just been like, okay, she's the big bad now, that would have opened up so much opportunity to get character development in a lot of places that we haven't seen, especially with like Bianna, because I would have loved to see a conversation with like Bianna and Sophie. And you know, Bianna's like, I don't want to face her again. Like she did this terrible thing. And Sophie's like, it's okay. (laughs) And yeah, like, Yeah, having some sort of thing bringing them all together, like a cohesive, like, conflict, something that's threatening them, would open up a lot of doors for character. Anyway, that got really off-topic.
1: I mean, no, I feel like it's kind of off-topic, but also, like, I feel like these issues play into each other. Like, if if, if there's a flaw in your writing, it's going to play into... It, it it may or may not. Well, I mean, it might play into how you represent the pe- the characters you're writing, and so that's gonna turn into issues. And so it's like everything's connected and everything's complicated. Is it Go Path time? <laughs> I know I knew you wanted to talk about
0: Go Path. Okay, yeah, we're gonna talk about some Asian books and also some Asian movies on my side because I couldn't think of a lot of books. So um, uh. Yeah, so these are—we wanted to plug some books that have good representation to add to—yeah. um, yeah. So, GoPath. Go ahead. GoPath. That is short for Girls of Paper and Fire by— Oh, yeah, we should probably said the full name. <laughs> yeah. So, Girls of Paper and Fire by—let's see. I looked up pronunciations before this episode. Let's see if I remember. Natasha Nyan? I think that's right. Okay, I don't know. NGAN and um it's fantasy. It's young adult fantasy. Um it is set in a world that's like based on Asia. I most of it is East Asia, but they might have like you know some like technically included in the world building like other Asia areas. And it is very Good. I don't know. The like the reason why the reason why I was so excited to talk about it was because I feel like this is a book that this is a book that does like the fantasy world building really well because in a lot of in a lot of senses it is like kind of not in a bad way. It's like like a typical high fantasy sort of vibe. Yeah, like typical YA fantasy vibe but it's like all asian and it's based on like asian cultures and it has like mostly asian characters and that actually it's not like a challenge it like enhances the world and it makes it super like rich and unique and like it's it's very good yeah
1: <laughs> it's a super fun read Will say note that it does include a rape scene. Yes, but it is a really, really incredible read. The world building is so rich and well defined, and also um, the girls fall in love. So there's that.
0: I didn't realize I was the only person here who hasn't read Go Path.
1: I feel like I should get on that. <laughs> I didn't realize. I didn't realize Go Path was what you were was what you were talking about. Um, I only read it because my conservative aunt didn't realize anything about it and bought (laughs) it for me for Christmas. I'll start with the book because this is a podcast
0: about books. Um, (laughs) My recommendation is The Poppy War by R.F. Kuang. It is an adult fantasy book about... um, It's in a world that's inspired by China in the 20th century. It loosely follows the historical timeline of the opium wars um which were a set of wars centered in China in yeah in the 1900s and um so it's almost kind of historical fantasy except the world is one with magic and the main character has fire magic yeah it's a really fun read i don't usually read high fantasy but this one just like i was in love with it chef's kiss and it is it is adult fantasy though so and so I will say that like it's very different from Kadok on two counts, which is that like one, it's written for adults. And two is that there are, you can look up trigger warnings because there's a lot of them, um, but the main things are drug use and rape.
1: So just be aware of that if you choose to check it out. My, so mine is not fantasy, it is um, adult fiction. It is called The Great Passage by Shion Miura. Translated by Juliet Winters Carpenter. And it is about a bunch of people who get together and write a dictionary. That's the plot. And I've never, there are few books that have made me feel this specific feeling of emotion where it is basically an examination of life and how we live and how we form connections with people through the lens of people who spend their whole lives dealing with language and dealing with words and how we communicate and how we connect. And it is the kind of thing where you close it and you think, I am in love with the world. And yes, it is about a bunch of people who write a dictionary. That is the
0: plot. That sounds like an amazing plot, honestly. I'm so into this. It's great!
1: so good literally like the one thing that the main character's introduction is what's an island define an island for me please and it's the answer he gives is like oh it fascinates me because it's like well okay um an island is a it's it's a landmass separated from the greater landmass but like what about all the ways it's used metaphorically to to um to to establish something about a person or, like, no man is an island. Lexicographers are very valid. <laughs> Things like that. And it just, it's so cool. And, and because of the way, because this was originally written in Japanese, the, the dictionary is obviously in Japanese. And so, at least for me, it was a really interesting look at how characters connect to each other um, in the language. So there's also that. It's super cool. You should read it! (laughs) The book that I was referencing earlier, uh, now that I remember, is The Grace of Kings by Ken Liu. Um, I have not read it yet. It is on my to-read list. But as far as I know, it is pretty well known. And I am not aware of what the main plot is. But as far as I know, the main draw is science fiction and fantasy built from an East Asian perspective, if that makes sense. Uh, I have not read that book, but I have read some of his other short stories. He wrote The Paper Menagerie. I really like his writing. He is the one who translated The Three-Body Problem, which is a sci-fi story by Cixin Liu. My apologies if I mangled the name. Uh, I I think that book is really cool. That book I have read. So, yeah, um, if you like sci-fi, check out The Three-Body Problem. Give yourself a day. It's a really thick book. You're going to want to mull it over. Um, If you're feeling like fantasy, check out The Grace of Kings. If you've only got 15 minutes, buy a short story anthology. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I do have two movies to talk about. I'll go through them really fast. So the first one is, in my opinion, the best Asian representation that I've ever seen, like, ever.
1: Um, and it's the half of it, which is yes. a Netflix rom-com movie. The Yuckels! You, no, I'm not watching the half of it. I'm not watching the half do of it. Do it! No, no do it's it. sad! Doesn't it end, like, sad? No!
0: Are you no, sure it doesn't? It, well, it's
1: bittersweet. The yeah, the ending is it's bittersweet. It's 2020! I don't have time for bittersweet. You can cut this part <laughs> later, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but...
0: Yeah, so it's it's basically about um this girl Ellie Chu, Stan Ellie Chu, who um who writes love letters for well, so this guy Paul pays her to write love letters for this girl named Aster, but it turns out that Ellie is actually also in love with Aster. So, things ensue. And it's just I don't know, it's it's a really good movie. It's really heartwarming and The, it's directed by an Asian woman, and the representation I just thought was really good.
1: Also, it is based off the, um, play Cyrano de Bergerac, so if you ever read that in ninth grade and hated it, watch the half of it. Maybe it'll make it hate you, maybe it'll make you hate it less. Oh, I didn't actually know that. Oh, that's cool. It is! It's the same plot line: paying off someone else to write love letters to the girl that they also secretly love.
0: So the Stormlight Archive... (laughs) we talked about this in in the listener correspondence too i feel like we're always coming back to this yes okay this is a different thing though so there is a book series called the stormlight archive by brandon sanderson anyway the reason why i wanted to bring it up um even though it's not written by an asian author it is the the main world that it's Set in is um, is based on Asia and and it's done really well in the way that they have specific lore for a bunch of different sections. So they don't really um, try to do like the Tamlin thing where you combine a bunch of things because it's such a vast world, and so it's really interesting to see like all these different small elements of culture split up across different groups of people and how those things interact and it's this very like it's this very once again a unique and interesting like take on like the traditional epic fantasy world Oh wait by the way I did want to add that we um we decided that since we were talking about this a lot. We decided to split what we thought was going to be one episode into two. So you're going to get the us talking about Never Seen chapters 55 through 65 next week. You can find us at KeeperCast on Tumblr and The KeeperCast on Instagram. You can send us a message. We will respond And on a future episode. And you can also find me at Malamelting on Tumblr and Instagram.
1: I surprise have a tumblr now so you can find me at star dreamer love except the o is a zero so the o in love is a zero uh tumblr.com and if you just want keep velocity's stuff which is really just me screaming about lynn's song you can follow sing swan spring swan with a dash between each of the words and
0: you can find me at Alan dash ash dash galathinius on tumblr This has been KeeperCast. See you next week.